welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and White Brothers. Two brothers, two takes, one team. Well, bro, it is time for a palate cleanser. And, uh, you There's know, no such thing. I mean, <laughs> uh, we, we were ranting and raving for a good long time about that Ohio state game. And, um, we probably could have gone a lot longer. Um, but it's time to start putting some of that behind us. Uh, yeah. I mean, like winning cures all. So like, obviously we'll get a little, a slight palate cleansing if we can go ahead and beat Indiana this week. But like, we know, we know. I mean, no. it definitely changes your inner emotional compass after yeah. coming off of a, a, a loss like that. Absolutely. Um, but but you know we're we're turning the corner here, and um, we've got a, an episode today that's going to include uh, some mailbag entries, three to be exact. Um, we're going to scout that Indiana team. Uh, hopefully, a get right game for the whole team, including the offense, especially the offense. Uh, and then Joel will be with us for by the numbers uh, as we get started, guys. Want to remind you if you haven't already, uh, subscribe or follow the show. Make sure you share this podcast with your Penn State friends and write us a review. Give us a rating and send an email to our mailbag, blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. Speaking of the mailbag, we're going to open that up right now. Mailbag time. There's something about that mailbag bell that just it makes it feel like home, doesn't it? <laughs> Kind of. I don't know. We did have a, we were very close to the railroad tracks when we were kids. In fact, we had two intersecting railroad tracks when we were kids right by our house. I smashed a lot of pennies on those railroad tracks. Yeah, absolutely. I ramped my bike up off the the hump that like goes up and over the railroad tracks. (laughs) Anyway, um, so we've got a couple of mailbag entries. The first one is from Adam Wolf. Uh, I believe we heard from Adam all the way back in season two. It's been a while. And Adam writes this. Uh, good evening, guys. It's been a while since I sent in a mailbag question. I have a few questions for you to dive into. First is with our receivers. I know we got Harrison Wallace back, which was good to see, I thought. But where have Malik Mega and Malik, uh, excuse me, Malik McLean and Malik Mega disappeared to? I thought both of those guys made some very promising plays in the past, and I hope it's just a case of us saving some of the talent for those bigger games. My second question is with Drew Aller, and does it worry you that he hasn't thrown an interception yet? And when and if he does, will it shake his confidence or relieve the pressure that he might have because of trying to be perfect thus far? Hmm. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you want to um, say about that? I I think we touched on the, the playmaker situation. Um, I just don't think – listen, I just think that – Mike Yursich has not schemed an offense that tailors to let me back up. Last year, it felt like Mike Yursich schemed an offense tailor-made for Sean Clifford and by and large, Sean Clifford and those two running backs to be successful. It has felt the exact opposite this year. Yeah. And and I, we have just no clue how to use the skills and talents and size of and speed of any of these wide receivers. No one has consistency at wide receiver other than, you know, what I deem as a number two 
and not a number one, even though he wears number one, Keandre Lambert Smith. Like that's our only wide receiver threat right now. Um, so where have these guys, Malik Mega, Malik McLean, where have they been? And by the way, where have the other receivers been? I think that we are striking out on evaluating wide receiver talent. I think that's... You, Do you know, think for, that they're not on the field because they're actually just not winning in practice? I, I, th- I think that we are... There's, there's, it's multiple things. One is we're not scheming it properly from a downfield throwing perspective or, or a preparation perspective or um, game plan perspective. And, and I think that we're not evaluating on top of that. Uh, you know, how, most of these, like Justin Shorter was a miss, a miss for sure. Um, and, and we haven't really had any stud wide receivers come in to take over games, whereas we've had some pretty decent guys uh, flash here and there that are underside and, and under-heralded from like a K.J. Hamler and Jahad Knotson perspective. But again, you know, those... Yeah, where's Chris Godwin? Where's Allen Robinson? You know... I asked the question, you know, <laughs> like if you could swap any Penn State player from history and onto this team, who would you do, you know, one for one trade, a position position for position trade, who would you swap out and who would you swap in? I said I would swap Allen Robinson in for Keandre Lambert Smith because at least that's a number one stud wide receiver that proved it at the college level. Malty's the only person who ever won Big Ten wide receiver of the year and he was just a pure stud and he like struck fear into the hearts of defensive backs. How about the Drew Aller question? And he could take over games when the games mattered most. Think about that Michigan four, four overtime game when he caught it on the end zone there. But what were, what were you going to say? I Sorry I cut off. All I can think about is Allen Robinson being amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Allen Robinson or Chris Godwin? Which one? <laughs> I'm thinking Allen Robinson. I'm yeah. thinking Allen Robinson. Um, fair enough. Um, no, the Drew Aller question, the fact that he hasn't thrown uh, uh, an interception yet is that... Uh, causing him to play tight and uh do you think he'll at this point in the season once he throws one will he be able to bounce back i certainly think he's playing tight uh at this it certainly was playing tight all day uh on saturday he certainly was i'm not saying he was playing i don't think he's played tight all year but but definitely in some games it feels like he's playing not to lose the game rather than to win the game well that's the way the game is being called yeah i agree with that as well you know i mean i I would almost Dude. rather have I would rather have him thrown two interceptions but three touchdown long touchdown passes of course than to have the game of that we had. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it was so, so from miserable that from that watch. standpoint, yeah, you do want him to get that like out of the way. Listen, let's put it this way. I'd like him to get that interception out of the way between now and Michigan. Yeah, that would be good. Because if you're gonna start throwing the deep the ball deep at Just only throw Michigan. It deep. If you're only if, Gosh, you're, if you're gonna wait till the Michigan, if you're gonna wait till the Michigan game to start opening the offense up, you've waited too long, and that's where he's got Michigan's gonna make our mistakes pay the most. So get him out of the way between now and then. Start throwing the ball deep between now and then. To change the offensive scheme and game plan by preparation between now and then. Because you know what? Right now is when Eller should feel his rock bottom the most. Yeah. Right now is where he those tears in his eyes and that post game presser gut wrenching. Oh, that was gut wrenching. It was. And by the way, you know, 
he's sitting there taking his lumps, and Franklin's like all Boot. Mr. Stoic, you know. He's booting. Penn State is, excuse me, Franklin is punting on the big questions about moving forward, and he's only thinking about one and no mentality. He's only thinking about the game they just played. He's not thinking about how to go beat Michigan. He's Whereas Drew Aller has to sit there with his tears streaming down his face, choking back like all-out ball session while he's answering every question that the media is asking of yeah, him. Yeah, answering Whereas it respectfully Franklin and fully. Not. And, and by the way, taking responsibility for the loss. Yeah, which Whereas Franklin I, did not. I mean, wow. he does because he's the head coach hey, on him. He hey, knows guess that. what? We're, yeah, we're, we're venting about Ohio State again. How'd that happen? It's hard not to. <laughs> Hard not to. There's a question uh, about Drew Aller, and yeah. if we're gonna. T- we have, you know, we gotta evaluate what we saw and what we gotta see moving forward. Let's, put, Andy. Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. When it comes to Drew Aller, like, like you've got to learn the hard way to become better, and and that's and part of it is making mistakes. Not letting him make mistakes is doing a disservice to his his um, development. Not letting him go. If you're not Taylor making an offense, um, to letting him learn. Yeah, you know, you, you learn more by your mistakes than, than I, by your successes. And I think, I mean, it's a it's a hard lesson this Ohio State game. But as you said in the last episode, if Drew can learn from this, you know, and, and he grows from this the rest of the season, like well, maybe that's what we needed. Like maybe the rock bottom is the opportunity to actually have a spectacular second half of the season. You I want, would take that. You want to make this game rock bottom for him in front of in front of his hometown fans, yes. in front of his home home state fans. Yes. Indeed. You know, you want to make this game the rock bottom for him. And now you can like maybe start letting him play loose. Let him make mistakes while he's loose moving forward and 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 just Give him the opportunity to make mistakes because you just haven't yet. You haven't yet. And you yeah. again, you just really want to do it before the Michigan game because in that Michigan game, if he has some confidence about how he's, you know, the, the uh, with an offense that's made for his arm to go down the field, then, you know, you can go ahead and win in front of your home, t- home crowd against a number two or maybe number one Michigan at the time. All right. Well, that'll do it for that question. Adam, thanks for writing in. Appreciate it. Um, We got a question from a frequent contributor now, Shane Dowd. Shane starts with some comments. I'll read those off and then the question. Uh, He says, gents, regardless of how hard I was pulling for the Lions this weekend, a tiny part of me is always expecting this outcome. It's become really commonplace for Franklin coached teams at this point to lose the big game in the fourth quarter. Shane, you're not wrong. <laughs> and he goes on to say this spans multiple quarterbacks, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, etc. Franklin coach teams just can't elevate in these situations. Now, you can point to instances where things occurred that were out of his control, but he is the only constant. I really don't know what to say about this. It's wildly disappointing. Yes, but also sadly expected and just there is that word again expectations <laughs> i mean he certainly is correct about the fourth quarter I, i'd also throw in the second half i mean even dating back to um you know the the usc game um in in 2016 i you know i'd even go back to the to the 2021 iowa game that was a second half collapse um michigan last year was a second half collapse whereas we it was a one score game you know even in the third quarter and it just totally fell apart it's not just the fourth quarter though that is a big time culprit it's basically when the game's on the line and you yeah. have you have it there in front yep. of you games on you the know. line against a you, top you hear- 10 opponent here, I got it. 
I got, it. I got it. You ever see the movie Kingpin, a Fairly Brothers movie? We talked about this previously. Oh, you re- shoot. Then I'm bringing it back. <laughs> yeah. you, you, a munsoning is when yeah. you have the world in the palm this of your hand. This is the exact analogy you used last year. Last year. In the <laughs> same exact scenario. Unbelievably, the exact same thing. I uh, mean, it, it's, it's too fitting. It is a Franklining. Yeah, the world in the palm of your You're winning the off-season national title every season is what it feels. Mm. Winning the off-season. Uh. And then when the, the world is in the palm of your hands and you have it all there in front of you, you just puke on yourself. Well, that's not what a that's not Shane, what Munson did, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Shane actually has a question, which I would like to get I can't to now. Believe I just didn't realize I said it last year, and I definitely did it again this year. Uh, you said it like it was a brand new idea, which is I amazing. did. <laughs> uh, anyway, because I because I black out when I'm talking about Franklin. <laughs> All right, I'm so angry. <laughs> See that with anger. Yeah, he has PTSD at its yeah, finest. Um, so Shane's question. He says, why not give Bo Perbula a drive? Let him QB draw them to death to shake things up on a drive and take the pressure off of Drew. There's no reason to leave Drew in the game for all of those drives to go three and out without trying a different approach. Are they concerned about a turnover? Who cares? I'd rather Drew start turning the ball over more and make more risk as opposed to watching paint dry every Saturday afternoon. Do you agree putting Bo in around the mid-third quarter would have been a smart move on Saturday? You know... I actually, I'll just jump in here. I did say that I thought this should happen, and and not at the, not to bench Drew, but uh, just as a mix up, just as, as like a, a mix mixing it up. things up, just yeah, try to get should, something going. Definitely didn't think you should bench Drew. I, I, no. I Joel asked the same question at some point in the second uh, quarter. I think. Yeah, second half. Um, no, whatever it was, and and I and I said, oh, I I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think it was a good idea at the time, but I definitely didn't think that Franklin was gonna do it either. I like I did not see that happening at all. You're like, we got our five star out there. You give him as many chances as possible to go throw the ball. Um, but here's what I'll point to: we've had other quarterbacks with bows, um, you know, skill set, shall we say, for a run first quarterback. You know, Will Levis. Did not look good running that style of offense in games where we needed him to win. He didn't. He he did not look good. He had to, he got benched in the game when he got the start against I think it was Iowa and um, was it twenty twenty? He had a game in twenty. Will Evans had a game in twenty twenty where he got the start um, and it was a disaster. I just I th- and he got I benched think, in the game. I think the way that game was going, the the run straight at him dink and duck pass game offense wasn't getting anything going and i think it would have been interesting to see if just for a drive to loosen the ohio state's defense up get them on their heels a little bit throw in bo prebula uh you know you could also just make an argument for you know throwing some long he's our passes. most effective rusher as far yeah. as far as a, a yeah. per per been. Rush again against inferior down, competition, who against knows inferior, against inferior competition and in the fourth against quarter. yeah. So that's probably why you don't have the full on faith. And and the and the other thing is, then the offense becomes legitimately one dimensional because you know that you can just key yeah. on him mostly. I mean, it, he's it, not a. Polished pass. I would rather stretch. I'd rather put Bo Perbula in than go for it on fourth down in the situations that they did because you know it's just like if you're getting desperate and want to try something new, don't do it on fourth down. You know, like and don't do it in the fourth quarter. Like you know, they just blah, blah. 
Okay, right. I can't. Got, got, got <laughs> again. Uh, uh, lastly, um, let's I truly this wash is, ourselves of this and move forward <laughs> to Indiana. <laughs> Shane, uh, lastly, says, uh, I, by the way, I'm hoping Mike Yursich gets Lane Kiffin upon arrival home in State College. To have six months to come up with that offensive game plan is completely unacceptable. Mike's time is getting close to an end, in my opinion. I do have a comment on this. This is like it's equally on Franklin as it is on Yursich because Franklin's involved in game plans, but Yursich called one of the worst offensive games I've ever seen. At, at, you know, at least in the Franklin game era, game planning and specific game calling. Both. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, and and if he doesn't redeem himself this season, if he honestly, if he like like. I, you got to take a good this year three. You got to take a good hard look at like what Yursich is doing against the best teams that we're you know need to to win against. Um, you really got to think. To, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not necessarily calling yeah, with it to be his fired, hand but it chosen could quarterback. Could be fireable. Yeah, it could hand, be fireable. Hand chosen quarterback. A whole off season to come up with a game plan. Three weeks from the bye week to Ohio State. And that's the best you can come up with. I I, I agree. And I'm just yes, there were head. some execution problems, but there were also some game planning, game, game calling major. I mean, before you even saw Drew was having trouble, you could see that this game plan was just not going to do it. All right, Jane. Just shaking well, my head. <laughs> Thanks for getting us going again. Um, we got one more mailbag entry. This is from a longtime listener, first-time caller, as he says in his first line. Uh, this is from Cody McKibben, uh, who says this. As we are licking our wounds from a devastating loss yesterday, I can't help but think this is a significant step back for this program. I'm curious to know where you place this loss along Franklin's tenure. And he follows up by saying... Also, play along with me. If you are a significant Penn State donor, someone that has the ear of Pat Kraft, say like Terry Pegula or Blaze Alexander, and could help shape the future of the program, what are you saying to Pat this week? Which gaps are you highlighting? What are you insisting that changes going forward? Appreciate what you guys are doing. Blue and white forever for the glory. Cody from Pittsburgh. So Mike. let's take it with that. With that, um, where would you place this loss in Franklin's tenure? It's up there. It's definitely towards the top. I, I like, I mean, every single loss to Michigan or Ohio State in his tenure are, are you know, <laughs> its own flavor of, of it does misery, have, hasn't it, it? And, and it's a product, it, you know, it's a product of recency bias, <laughs> you know, obviously, since it's only one week old and fresh right. in our broken hearts and uh, split minds. Um, I, I, it's, it's, it could be top three, Andy. Yeah, you know, the, I think so too. The, the Iowa one from two years ago is, is also up there just from a not preparing your backup quarterback situation. But you just, you, I always thought Andy that, that, that like those were like parts that, that Iowa loss and other things like the, the evolution of Franklin in year 10 felt like it was gaining steam towards being like a coach that could actually go into the horseshoe yeah. and maybe put forth his best foot and and actually pull one out and all that turns out is it's just the same it, it's just it, it's it's it might be number 1 at this point cuz you're in year 10 and you just yeah and you have a five star quarterback yeah you know? this was this was the year that that the difference was going to be made uh, with the talent on the field. I mean, they were saying it leading up to the game. We were, you know, and truly a number one 
level defense to go with it, and 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 a, and, a, and potentially the best defensive coordinator in the country to go with it, and you know, yeah, squandered it. You, you totally, squandered you it. totally squandered it because you were too stubborn. To 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 and too press, scared, too scared to press your five star quarterback. You, it's almost like it was like um, you know counterintuitive. You didn't you didn't want to have him make mistakes and ruin stun his growth because he and you did the did the opposite. You you're you're potentially you made him so tight and tense and afraid of throwing an interception, afraid of of making a mistake. You know and he couldn't execute simple passes. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's true. I, I do think that that, that Iowa loss. It, it, there were some resonances there because by the as the as that game went on after Sean Clifford went out of the game, you're just like, oh my gosh, we're gonna lose this game, aren't we? Oh my gosh, we're gonna lose this game. I don't see if we can win this. I don't see it. There's even though it's even though it was close almost the entire game at, at Iowa, you just felt like you you didn't have any chance to win the game, and that was an awful feeling. And that's really how it felt like against Ohio State. It just felt like even though on the scoreboard you're close and your defense is playing their heart out to help keep you in it, you just know you just know that they're going to give up the lead eventually and that your offense is not going to be able to do anything and that's what this felt like. It was it, it was brutal. It was brutal. And the only difference between the Iowa loss and this loss is we understand what the Iowa loss did to the rest of that season. Yeah. And just like last year we know now what that Ohio State loss, those 28 points given up in the last 10 minutes did to that season. Like, if we had won that game, how it would have changed CFP. everything. CFP, both Ohio those State seasons, got into CFP. The CFP. Two, and it's like, yeah, two years in a row, we, we got knocked out of the CFP because of just the inability of our coach to, to rise raise his team to the level of you know the opponent or supersede the level of the opponent what I, what I'm saying though is that for the, the only thing that keeps this loss not quite there yet is because we you know it is still possible it doesn't feel like it it is still possible that this loss galvanizes the team and we have something to show for it by the end of the season whereas it's those other losses that, it's also possible that it destroys the rest of the season that's exactly right I mean you could go off and lose to Indiana next week. We've we, we've had Indiana destroy our season before 2020. Uh, yep. 2020. I, we'll be talking about that for sure. Um, just uh, la- the second last, part of that. The yeah, the part second of part of that is um, if you're a major Penn State donor, what are you saying to Pat Kraft this week? I mean, th- this is what the interesting thing here is that like Pat Kraft is only in his second full year as the um, athletic director. This this guy can tr- like, you know, Franklin has been talking. Everyone's been preaching about how Franklin has now got everything aligned. It's the best. No alignment. more excuses. Yeah, there aren't excuses. And so for like, if you're Pat Kraft, you know. This guy's outspoken. This guy is like brash. He didn't hire James Franklin, right? So, so if you're Pat Kraft, are you wondering, given all the history you know about James Franklin in these games, are you taking that into consideration? From like, like Sandy Barber had to go in 2016 after we started two and two and be like, um, uh, we uh, stand behind our head coach. You know, does Pat Kraft come out and say something like that? You know, 
Or is Patcraft thinking to himself, and by the way, I'm not predicting Patcraft is going to come out and say vote of confidence for James Franklin after the Ohio State loss. Maybe he has to do that after the Michigan loss. <laughs> the perspective Michigan loss. I'm just, <laughs> hey, I'm You're just predicting saying, it now? <laughs> I, I'm, say, I'm just, you know, we're thinking what ifs here. I wouldn't have entertained this question had we, you know, before the Ohio State loss, but here we are afterwards. Now we got to start entertaining these thoughts. We're no longer perfect on the year. I don't, I now, the, ju, the bad juju's out there now, and now it's on the table, and now we got to realistically think about stuff and Pat Kraft it, it doesn't have the luxury of not wanting to put bad juju out there because he has to think big picture and James Franklin's not thinking big picture with how he runs his program as a one or no mentality okay Pat Kraft's job is to think big picture so does he think he doesn't have the coach for the future of Penn State's at you know football team moving forward into the new 12 team playoff era and I'm not saying he's going to fire Franklin. I'm not even saying Franklin should be fired. But if you got to you got to wonder there there's some sort of a hot seat going on at least you know at least it's like you know if it's not hot is it like simmering? I I mean, simmering is hot. Just for the record, like that. Okay, is it warming? <laughs> are we on a Are we on a, a warming? Are we crockpotting this? <laughs> um. You know, I, I I wasn't expecting to talk about Franklin today in this way or with this question, but um, you know, now that it's on the table, I guess you know patterns are in place that clearly are entrenched. You know, um, including probably the most challenging of them being uh, what we talked about at the end of the last episode, which is the recruiting disparity between Ohio State and Penn State, uh, between Penn State and all of those top top teams, you know, and, um, truly we're still just putting, a, um, a, a total team on the field that is a, a cut below in critical spots. And that's not to say that we can't have another year like 2016 ahead, but it just to, to say from a reality perspective, Franklin's not getting us there. I can Franklin get us there. I'm not sure, you know, I, without some significant changes, I'm not sure you can see I mean, is there, a, in, and I think the other question is, is there any coach that can get us there? It's a fair question. Because um, you certainly don't want to go backwards. But I, I think um, getting to uh, Frank Cody's Frank's a great question, CEO. He's a great recruiter. Not a big I mean, coach. again, is he? <laughs> like, he's uh, the he's best Penn at Penn State. State's. He's, be, he's Penn State's best recruiter ever. <laughs> right. But, great you know, CEO. Will he take on a GM role and hire a, a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator? That's what we want to know. <laughs> well, I mean, I said this a couple years ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, because there, James Franklin brings a lot of good things to the table. But, you know, I would say stepping back from the head coaching question, you know, if you have the ear of Pat Kraft for some reason, I think you know, number one is like, how do you get Penn state to a situation where they're getting three or four or five stars every year? Like, I, and I don't know at a bare how minimum. you do that at a bare, from at a, a bare minimum from to, an AD to perspective to compete with Ohio state. Like that is what it will take to get over the hump of not having the playmakers to contend and compete with Ohio state's playmakers. They don't strike out on five stars. Like we do. They they get they get their five stars to produce at a high level, and if if you if you're not getting that at at Penn State as a James Franklin best recruiter in Penn State history, you, you just got to ask yourself: Is it worth the risk of potentially, you know, seeing if the grass is greener? And we I think also, the, 
I think the other thing, I'm just sorry to cut you off, but I, the yeah, other right. thing, the other thing you got to do is you got to make a change to James Franklin's one and oh mindset where like his measuring stick is not 10 wins. His measuring stick is how he does against the top teams in the conference, which, right. you know, for the last 10 years has been Michigan and Ohio State in the next few years he's will be... He's openly talked about getting over the hump. He's open, and he should. Yeah, that's what a head so coach To should me, do. I think you need to say, 1-0 is out the window, James. What you... You know, I mean, it's like what Michigan and Ohio State does every year. Yeah. What doesn't matter is the rest of the season. All that matters is the Michigan-Ohio State game for those teams. Yep. And they circle it, at, you know, and I, I know for both of them, you know, they're preparing for Penn State, too. Let's they they don't way. treat Penn State like they treat Indiana. No. And we shouldn't treat them like we treat Indiana. And here's the thing. It's like it's like Joe Paterno definitely, like, would could be Ohio State like in the Ohio State um before 2002 it was back and forth whatever the home team was with Ohio State and Penn State the home team was winning every year Joe Pa could do that it's because he could he could make his teams get better throughout the year and not he didn't have a one and no mentality and Joe he could pa- motivate them for the big games absolutely I mean, I mean you want to talk about punching above your weight class look at the 1986 national championship I mean and absolutely. granted it's a very different era in college football but you had Nobody a gave Penn State team. a chance in heck. Yeah, and in either of those national title runs, <laughs> motivation, game planning, play calling—it was all masterful. And, and you know, Penn State was a great team that year, and people discounted us. But in the moment that it mattered most, Paterno and his staff got their team to play at a national championship level. And that's what Franklin hasn't done. He's got to switch his mentality and get his team to play their best game in the biggest game. And I don't know, again, okay. how Pat Kraft can can manage that, but well, that, to me, is the big change that needs to happen. Well, so, Joel, uh, you know, just before we went on the air here, brought up an interesting point. Michigan had you know Jim Harbaugh restructure his contract <laughs> to take less money because he wasn't getting the job done against Ohio State. He was going he's and he was trading wins with Penn State and he wasn't making the Big 10 title game and he wasn't making the CFP. You know, all right? And so when that happened and again, obviously there's some other stuff going on behind the scenes um with how they're potentially winning some of these games. <laughs> but but he took a pay cut because of the expectations were potentially shifting. So so when it comes to James Franklin, like when it comes, if he's going to stay on staff, like, I mean, I'll tell you one thing that would do is it would light a fire under the head coach to make it very clear. Do you want to be a head coach here for us? Okay. Well, you're going to, you're going to make less money because you're not getting it done. You're going to make less money until you should not reward him just because the market says this Uh coach in this tier should be making 10 plus million a year. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. I, you know, I, Pat Kraft, if you're listening, uh, best of luck to you to figure all this stuff out. Um, James Franklin, I know you're not listening, but um, man, get your team to win the big one for crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got one more. We got one more. One more big one that, w- that w- you know, we got a chance to get over that hump. The season story is not written. The, the, 
We got that that there's a meme going around where it's like Oh man, it's like, I know it's what like, you're gonna say. You know, Penn State, you know, off season hype. And it goes to like start six and zero, oh, and it's like, and then you know it loses to Ohio State, and then it's like uh, be depressed, and it's like continue cycle off season <laughs> yeah, champion, yeah. off season hype, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, that's yeah. what it's like to be seven a seven years fan. in a row, man. Seven totally. years in a row. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's your mailbag for you guys. Um, so we're looks already, like we've we're had a little bit of uh, <laughs> Ohio State uh, ranting and raving left in us from last episode. Um, thank you, mailbag contributors, Cody. Appreciate you writing in. Hey, don't be such a stranger to the mailbag. Let's let's do it again. That was fun. Um, thank you all for writing in. And um, let's go ahead and turn our attention now to that Indiana game. Let's call it a get right game for Penn State. Um, we got a couple of uh, some basic info for you and let you know what you're going to see when you tune in on Saturday. Um, this game is going to be broadcast on CBS. It's a noon game, another noon game for Penn State. Boy, don't you love how those have gone recently. Um, but it should be a gorgeous day. Uh, AccuWeather says it's going to be, quote, warm temperatures approaching the record of 78 set in 1971 with intervals of clouds and sun. So, potentially a record warm sunny day. Penn State is a huge favorite in this game. Uh, Vegas favors them by 31 points. Uh, ESPN's FBI, 98.2% chance for Penn State to win this game. And um, we're going through our last gasp, the last hurrah of the Big Ten East. Um, the next time we play Indiana in the Beave is going to be 2025. And the next time we go out to Indiana is not till 2027. So um, for those of you who've looked forward to a nice, easy game on our schedule, it's uh, it's going to get a little harder from here because Indiana is not going to be on it. Um, and probably a good time just to recap the series history since we'll be taking a break from them over the next few years. Um, it's a lopsided series. Indiana is probably not sad to see Penn State go from their schedule. It's a 24 and two record in favor of Penn state. Uh, 2020 being the most memorable of those losses. Of course, bro, that overtime loss derailed our entire season. And I will never forgive Indiana for that. <laughs> I mean, that's you. I mean, that's also like, like maybe we start gaining steam after the 2019 season and we don't see this dip. Like, we, you know, we've been yo-yoing from like yeah. a recruiting standpoint based off of that. And it's like, maybe at this point, if we hadn't had those two years dropping off, you know, frankly, win games, you know, that he's supposed to. Are and you blaming the- Indiana for our last Three years of failure since 2020. I'm blaming Franklin for letting <laughs> years spiral out of control. Um, yeah, I mean, 2020 was just such a nightmare in so many ways, uh, including for Penn State football. Um, uh, we are playing. I didn't think. I don't think I mentioned this. This is a home game for Penn State, um, and we have never lost to Indiana and in Beaver Stadium ever. Oh, you son of a gun! You just <laughs> did it. <laughs> You just did it. Um, and although there um, have been a fair number of blowouts, there also have been some close games in recent years, including um, in 2019, we had a 34 to 27 win. And this was at Penn State. Indiana came to within three points in the fourth quarter before Penn State got a touchdown to clinch it in the yeah. last minute and a half. Yeah, I mean, that game was ours all the way. In my, in my, from my memory, I remember we like we we had it. It was like it, it was a ditch effort for for Indiana for sure. But like I don't, I never really super duper felt like oh my gosh, are we gonna let this? Like it got close. I'm just saying it's not been all blowouts. No doubt, no doubt. Fair enough. 
All right. So um, Indiana's coming in uh, to Beaver Stadium, and um, they have Tom Allen as their head coach. He's He's been at Indiana since 2016, head coach. Uh, since 2017. Um, and uh, for a couple of years, he really seemed to have Indiana on the right trajectory um, to the point in 2020, that year that they started their season by beating Penn State. Um, they they ended up with a 6-1 and one record. You remember that was the COVID shortened season. They were ranked number seven in the AP at the end of 2020. And Tom Allen was named the Big Ten and National Coach of the Year that year. And since then, it's been downhill <laughs> to say the least in 2021, the very next year, they went two and 10, uh, at, including Oh, and nine in the big 10. And then last year, in spite of a major overseason, uh, excuse me, off season overhaul, which included 13 transfer players coming in and five new assistant coaches, they still finished at only four and eight. And, uh, currently, not doing great, man. Um, they're two and five on the season. Their only two wins are over uh, FCS Indiana State and Group of Five Akron. Um, and that second one against that MAC team uh, was a two overtime 29 to 27 win. They needed two overtimes to beat Akron. Um, no Big Ten wins, no Power Five wins. And um, yeah, that's where they're coming in. They're coming in kind of stuck in neutral, um, sliding into reverse, even the regressing. Um, they just dropped one to, to Rutgers, 31 to 14, man. And, um, you know, so Penn State, of course, coming off of that really tough Ohio State loss has a team that themselves have been struggling. And uh, everything uh, here has the makings of a, of a get right game. And you just got to look toward, I, you know, I think my, my last comment here before I'll let you talk a little bit about their offense and defense, bro, is that w- we just need to have in the back of our mind that North Carolina, Virginia game where a one-win North Carolina team, excuse me, a one-win Virginia team came in and knocked off North Carolina to derail their season. And and that's the kind of thing we need to make sure we don't let happen as we, you know, lick our wounds from that tough Ohio State game. So, bro, any comments about Indiana as a whole before I, I let you take off and, and tell us a little bit about their offense and defense? Um, You know, they're... <laughs> They're on a three-game losing skid. They've, you know, they they only, you know, they just fired their offensive coordinator after a two and three start, and and that was, uh, you know, they they were two and three um, after the Maryland game, and then their next game with their new offensive coordinator was against Michigan, and they put up seven points against Michigan. I don't know what you're really expecting there, but even against a Rutgers team, they only put up fourteen points. So it's this is a. This is a I don't know how much we really need to dive in to like you know what Indiana is going to do and we we will a little bit but like this is a team that is on the brink of firing their head coach um it, and yeah, which is a shame considering you know what he did for Indiana all the way back in 2019-2020 I mean he had him going in the right direction and then uh, the wheels fell off, man, like literally instantly after that season. By the yeah. way, the quarterback that he 
<laughs> used oh, to, to get that season uh, going. Yeah. Michael it, Penix. It, yeah, who's now, you know, I mean, at one point was a, a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. I mean, still leading the undefeated Washington Huskies. Yeah. You know, transferred and, out. And they lost a couple of other transfers. I, you know, a, a, a all Big Ten linebacker, forget his name, but I think he went down to Oklahoma, if I remember correctly. This is off the top of my head. Um, and, and maybe one or two other significant players that this is a depleted. Um, just team and they're not they do not recruit on the 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 best of you know levels <laughs> you know we, we we want to complain about our recruiting their recruiting is a that's a basketball this is a basketball school they're not devoting a ton of resources to this football program um but anyway so so they they fired um their that uh that offensive coordinator um Walt Bell um and they hired from within a guy named Rod Carey before the Michigan game as i said he was uh, he was hired last season as a quality control assistant and offensive line coach um he actually played center for indiana in the early 90s um and then he was a head coach at temple from 2019 to 2021 also head coach of at northern illinois from 2012 to 2018 um and it, it's they actually also have um, a uh, a co-offensive coordinator on top of that. That uh, it's it's just it's kind of disjointed. And on top of that disjointing, now that you bring in um, a, another, you know, an, a new offensive coordinator, new offensive scheme, they don't have a single quarterback that has been cemented themselves as the guy. And they started the season with a guy named um, Brendan Sorsby, and in the first game. In the in the first game, he um I think threw for fifty eight yards. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> you know. Oh, man. You no. Know, well, yeah. That was against it, Ohio State. That was against Ohio State. <laughs> but but he still you know threw was eight of fifteen for fifty eight yards. All right. This guy is a is a bit of a rusher though. Um. In, in you know he, he did not have a good rushing day uh, in a, at that Ohio State game, but he he has in in his most recent game um, he got benched after that Ohio State game this year and and uh, QB Taven Jackson started all like all the games in between there and, and we'll get into him a little bit but then you know in this last game he played he was fifteen. For 13 for 126 yards. That's Brendan Sorsby for with one touchdown and 11 rushes for 49 yards and another rushing score. And that was against Rutgers in a losing effort. He's you said oh, 15 oh, for 13, but I think you meant 15 31. I apologize. 15 of yeah. 31. Yeah, my bad. Um, and, and that was in so a losing Sorsby effort. So Sorsby was playing back again against Rutgers. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So they've been swapping they back can, and forth, and I think well, they, yeah, yeah. Tom they, they, Allen said he hasn't named a starter for the Penn State game. No, they're they're going to evaluate all week. I suspect we won't hear about who's going to be playing quarterback until maybe game time. Um, unclear. We'll we'll find out. We'll see. Um, but but that either way, none of neither of these guys are really lighting lighting it up. No, 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 no not at all. I mean, he's got Soresby has four hundred twenty yards in the season for a fifty one percent completion percentage, and he's been sacked four times, like it four point eight average yard passing uh not great but he is the third the team's third leading rusher um and you know that'll be part of his game i believe against penn state I, I, whether or not he'll have success i i highly doubt it um but 
Interestingly enough, his only action last year, and he's a redshirt freshman, by the way, he did get game action in one game last year, and it was against Penn State. And he was three <laughs> three for six for eight yards, one interception, and was sacked twice for negative eight yards. So now this other this other guy, Taven Jackson, is a more polished passer, in, in my opinion. He's actually a four-star transfer from Tennessee, also a redshirt freshman. Um, he, play, he's, he played very sparingly at UT, um, very, very very sparingly at UT, but he's definitely more of a pocket passer compared to Taven Jackson. Uh, Excuse me, his name is Taven Jackson compared to Brendan Soresby. Um, He, on the season, he's throwing for nearly 61%. He has 914 yards for a 7.1 yard average, two TDs, but five interceptions. Um, Yeah, and that's got to be the reason why they're not going with him is because, I mean, his touchdown to interception ratio is is really, really Yeah, I mean, his last start was against Michigan. I mean, and he's taken eight sacks so yeah um you know i I think you know looking at uh indiana's offense i mean there's a reason why their coordinator was fired they're dead last in the big 10 in points per game only 17.9 points per game on average 11th in rushing 10th in passing 11th in total yards per game so you know out of the 14 teams they're in the very 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 bottom and um again they haven't won a single game against a big 10 team yet this season um and um, they likely shouldn't get it against us this is not an indiana team that poses much of a threat but again you know from a from a, a a lion licking their wounds right now you just really hope that Franklin gets his team. Last year, you know, that was one thing we we mentioned about Franklin, which was a different kind of um, thing that we had seen from Franklin. Was like he picked our, this team up off of the getting murdered by Michigan last year. Yeah. Just a just a utter shellacking by Michigan, and he, he picked him. You know, he picked this team up off of the 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 mat and licked our wounds and got right between you know the Michigan and Ohio State game. So we at least were like, oh, well, he didn't let the the losses come in bunches. So you really are thinking to yourself, let's hope that that this yep. offense, you know, or, or this defense can get back to playing, you know, full blown smash smash mouth um, lockdown defense against a an Indiana team that has nothing going for it in any in any way we we're we're concerned about um our offensive coordinator situation and our quarterback situation dude indiana's got it way 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 worse from yeah i mean both those perspectives you want to make sure you don't have a letdown game where you know well that's what happened to washington you don't want to give indiana a get right game yeah well so i'm not saying washington washington lose but washington put it all on the table against oregon last or two weeks ago and then had a complete emotional letdown against arizona state i mean their offense didn't do anything so it's just you really just want to make sure that you know you don't fall into those pitfalls uh speaking of of offense um, you know, that to me is the part of our, our team that really needs to come out and do something significant. And For sure. uh, Indiana's defense is also nothing to write home about. Yeah. Um, they're second to last in the conference in points per game allowed. They allow 29.3 points per game. Um, This should be an opportunity for offense to finally start scoring again. They're also dead last in uh, rushing yards allowed per game, allowing 174.4 rush yards per game 
our running backs who basically were outside of a couple of decent runs were, were looking pretty bad on Saturday. They're going to have a chance to to get their legs under them. Now it's interesting because Indiana actually is halfway decent in their their passing defense. Uh, they're in the middle of the pack, seventh in passing yards per game allowed. And I do wonder if you know part of what we need to do is 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 use the challenge. Uh, of a of a passing defense that you know is not terrible and a challenge drew and these wide receivers to go out and earn their living for crying out loud and actually make some passes and challenge Mike Yursich to scheme these guys and actually go out and throw the ball. I mean, we haven't had a 300 yard passing game since West Virginia. Yeah, and if we're and not going to against field- a West Virginia secondary that was one of the worst in the country last year, uh, so I, I just I. I would love to see uh, us get Drew Aller going and, um, and and again, maybe move away from the dink and dunk and actually try to get some downfield passing. Well, it, it's a little concerning, Andy, if if we're if I'm you know being honest, th- that's potentially one of the strengths of their defense. If there is a strength on this team and on this defense, uh, they're seventh in the conference in passing yards per game allowed, and they've got a couple of defensive backs that have had a, you know between two of them, Philip Dunham and Lewis Moore. They've got five interceptions and one pick six and uh, three passes defended. So, you know, and between the two of them, um, over 80 tackles. So potentially our wide receivers might have a, a difficult time, if, especially if Drew Aller's off the mark, if he's allowed the hangover of Ohio State, um, you know, stick with him, you know, going into this game. I'm not predicting it, but like I, you know, I'm wondering to myself, you know, if if our coaching staff can can right the ship with this kid, Drew Aller, you know, or, or are they going to let it stick stick with him, you know, because because Franklin led teams do do not have a great track record of quarterback progression and development over the years, and so you really just want to make sure that Franklin and Yursich can can you know. Stem the you know stop the bleeding and and get Drew right immediately. Yeah, I I mean I agree with you. There there may be a little bit of a risk with their um, that, you know passing defense. Concerning. Be, I, I mean I mean especially I think when the just, running game is there for the taking. <laughs> but yeah I, yeah and I would love to see. I mean by the way our running game hasn't been anything to write home about you know in terms of long run so you'd love to right. see these guys get going on the ground as well but to me it's the it's Drew Aller in the passing game that that is is exceedingly troublesome and you know Indiana if Indiana is not a team to to try to get Drew Aller to feel comfortable back there running the offense not just managing the game but actually taking the bull by the by the horns and and you know running the offense with authority um then it may not happen this season and so I kind of want to see that um let's talk a little bit um about some of the keys to the game and and you know what are some of the things that you hope to see uh Penn State do against Indiana specifically thinking about this as a, a game where we want to see Penn State get back on the horse and get right um, as we think about some larger fish to fry in the weeks ahead. Okay, so here's what I want to see besides the fact uh, that I we should utterly just dominate 
you know, this team at every level on each in each phase. <laughs> like, we should, this is a this is ripe for a domination game. I, I mean, it could be like a fifty to you know one one digit scoring game, in my opinion. But here's what I need to see: um, I need to see this team actually come out swinging out of the gate, right? Like, no slow start. Like, that's that's the first thing that we need Penn State to figure out is how to play right out of the gate. Yeah, because Michigan's coming right on their heels a couple weeks later, and, and it's home. a noon game. And it's at Right, and it's at home. So our ho- we figure need to it out. continue to establish that we can at least, like, beat our opponents at home, defend defend home turf, and get out to early leads. Like, that was absolutely a big problem. Like, that was absolutely a big problem in the Ohio State game, in my opinion. Like, yeah. letting Ohio State get the lead and then keep a lead and then and then build a, a, a larger lead, that is that was just how we were going to lose against Ohio State. We did not display an offense that was capable of yeah, we needed to go playing attack. from behind. Yeah. We needed to go attack. Yeah, yeah. that's I mean, that's true. You can't I mean, play from behind. I mean, offensively, Penn State has not demonstrated the ability to go out and score points in bunches and yeah. flashes. Like, and when your offense is kind of having a rough day, we don't really. I mean, basically, we had nothing, no moves at that point, you know. And if you're playing catch up and you don't have an explosive offense and you don't have a quarterback that's comfortable, you know, making the clutch play and the clutch throw, you, you know, you're right. You like playing from behind is, is just, it's not something that we have experience with and, and maybe not the tools to overcome. And, and therefore I agree with you 100% getting out to slow starts against inferior competition has not really mattered because our defense is that good, but, but we need to find a way for offense to get out to a fast start, take the bull by the horns, get that lead, and let our defense help us keep the lead. I, I think that's a key to success going forward. Uh, yeah, so and, and I'd love to, to see to that me, against Indiana. To me, to me, from this point forward, I think the the like we just need to figure out how to get our key key playmakers in space and attacking, you know, vertically as opposed to moving horizontally, and, and that goes for you know the the. The run game and the pass game, but really, you know, if I just don't think the that we are going to have the run game set up the pass against Michigan, so I want to see a clean passing attack out of the gate against you know maybe the strength of that team being their uh, possibly being their uh, pass defense, uh, you know, and maybe that's because teams are running it down their throats and they don't have to pass a lot, but like just go out and figure out how to. You know, run an offense, run an offensive game plan, execute the offensive game plan for the one that's going to be needed and required to beat Michigan. Yeah, in, I would love to a see a weeks. dynamic passing attack. And yeah. I don't know if Mike Yurcich even has that built into the the playbook this year at all. But like, you know, I felt like the tight ends were almost. Uh, invisible. Dude, I was Sunday. saying that I was saying at the beginning of the season, like this is Theo Johnson's season to be a stud tight end, and we just haven't seen them open it up with 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 both of them. Like I, I just they're like they kept them in for like blocking purposes more so, and they were not good at blocking in that game either. That's, sure, it didn't seem to be. I mean, JT had got Theo whiffed on a on a block, and so did Tyler Warren whiffed on. They both were supposed to block him, and they both missed him, and that was how JTT got a got a big sack and a key key moment of the game against Drew, and and you just screw it. 
Like, let you should have let you know the left side be controlled by Olu Fashionu and been throwing down the field to your tight ends. Yes, please. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I'd love to see, I don't know, Malik McClain or Dante Cephas or um, you gotta Malik Mega. You got to let him go out and try. Yeah, some of these guys try. with some length and some speed. Where's Omari Evans been for crying out loud? He's supposed to be the fastest guy on the team. You know, um, stretch the field, put some balls out there. Like, we've only seen... Stress the defense How many go routes have we seen all season? Like, one? I did... <laughs> I mean, I, I think we tried to hit one in the UMass game in the pouring rain, and and yeah. You know. By the way, that's not the game you 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 try and develop the downfield passing game in in, in the Iowa and and UMass you know deluge <laughs> like it. You have to you had to try in better weather condition games too, and you just didn't. You didn't other than that first West Virginia game, but even still, just one pass of longer than twenty yards in that game. Um. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's 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 if you don't figure it out against Indiana, you're definitely not going to figure it out against Michigan. How about the on the defensive side? Anything you want to see? And by the way, we have to prepare to potentially win. You know, I'm not saying the defense can't hang with Maryland because they probably can because we have their number by and large um, the last many years. But like you you're gonna you potentially might have to find yourself in a uh, shootout with Maryland. Yeah, like they are a downfield passing team. They got better receivers this year than last year, and their and, defense has improved. And their defense has improved. So you're all, you're preparing for Maryland in this game too. And if you can't do it against Indiana, you might not be able to do it against Maryland. If you can't do it against Maryland, you darn sure can't do it against Michigan. So pre- preparation for Maryland and Michigan begins this week. Begins with this game. Begins with Indiana. And again, you got to show that you can dominate Indiana. You've got it. And you got to get Drew Aller some confidence because he's as low as he hopefully is going to be this year. Right? All right. Well, let's... um. Let's take that pause there as a great opportunity to bring Joel Bettner in so we can look another layer down and go by the numbers. Another layer by the numbers. Another layer by the numbers. Another layer by the numbers. Well, Joel, um, how you holding up, man? Oh, it was a, it was a rough weekend. I, uh, <laughs> I, I did some some rage chores outside after the game. <laughs> I did the same, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I went for a bike ride. Still didn't feel feel good. I just it was it was rough. It was, and it's not just that we lost the game, but it's it's the style in which we lost the game. And I'm hundred uh, percent with you. And and I know we've beaten beaten this dead horse on the uh, on the the podcast so far. So I won't get too deep into it. Let's jump into our. Uh, are by the numbers. So last week we were rightfully concerned about how we would start out the game. And so I asked you guys, uh, how many first quarter points will Penn State score? Andy, you said four. Tom, you said three. And Andy thought two safeties. <laughs> yeah. I was pulling for the touchdown. I know. I know. <laughs> and we had it. Almost had it. Penn State scored three points. Um, so we were keeping that that streak of scoring in consecutive quarters alive. I asked, how many first quarter points will Ohio State score? Andy, you said four. Tom, you said three. Tom. Nailed it. Up two to one. That's right. Then I asked, how many first quarter turnovers will Penn State commit? You both said zero. We committed zero. I asked, will a wide receiver have the most receiving yards on the team? 
you both said yes, and it was. It was KLS for a. I wish I was wrong at this point. Disappointingly, but, yeah, I'd love to see the tight ends get involved, but. I said, which uh, team will have more rushing yards? You both answered that Penn State would. We had a paltry 49. Even though our defense did a fantastic job at holding OSU to a paltry 79, we just couldn't muster anything. And so, a repeat of, of last year's Michigan game and, and last year's Ohio State game. We could not run the ball in the yeah. big games. Yeah. I asked, which team will have more penalty yards? Andy, you said OSU will have more penalty yards. And Tom, you said that Penn State would have more penalty yards. Penn State had five for 32 yards. OSU had six for 54 yards. And uh, it's unfortunate boy. that so Andy, our penalty yards were more consequential than theirs. Absolutely. Uh-huh. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. So, But, Tom, on the board again, you won this week 2-1 to one against yes. Andy. And so yes. Andy at four, a, Tom at two. It's an empty victory, but I'll, I'll, I I'll give it to you, bro. No, it is not. <laughs> I am the greatest. <laughs> you you won on the on the week Penn State lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a win. It's a win win. Uh. <laughs> All right. So let's try to let's, 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 let's try to put this the mental image of that Ohio State game behind us. Um, and with that, I'm hoping that we see. Just something better out of the offense. Our, our defense deserves to have an offense on the other side that is better. And yes. uh, with that, I'm going to ask you, what will Aller's completion percentage be? In, this, in the last game, it was 18 for 42. 18 for 42 for 42.8%. So what will he be against a bad Indiana team? I, I want his confidence to come back a little bit. Who's going first here? Tom, you're going first. Well, those numbers you just outlined are like Rob Bolden era p- passing numbers, man. And if no one remembers Rob Bolden, he was the first in a, the first true freshman to ever start a game, st- to start a season for Joe Paterno back in, like, I think 2010. Yeah, it was um, a mistake. And it was against Alabama, and he looked terrible. <laughs> um, so anyways... Um, I I think this is a get right game for Drew from a um uh from a you know completion percentage standpoint. I'm not saying it's going to be gaudy from like I don't think it's going to be like 75 or something like that. I'm going to say he gets right and it's like 69%. I'll 69%. go 68. 68. Perfect, because I actually was thinking 75, Andy, and I tricked you into going below me. <laughs> <laughs> Sucker. Uh, no, I was thinking, I was thinking mid 60s, mid to low 60s. I'm hoping they'll actually uh, stretch the field a little bit and give him some longer, lower percentage opportunities. A, a, bo- a bonus question, Andy: Do you think that Drew Aller will throw an interception in this game? No, I do not. No, I do. I do. Really? I think he will. I do. I just. Yeah, I mean, I think he's, uh, as one of the mailbags earlier was talking about, I think part of the, the reason we saw such ugly passes, that might be a little bit due to him just being like, I don't want to risk throwing an interception here. I'm going to throw an yeah. ugly yeah, yeah. ball he's that playing, nobody yeah, can he's playing. Yeah, I agree. But I think they're going to have him start throwing the ball down the field a little bit more. And it, in the first few games, he definitely put, tried throwing it into some tight windows that were nearly intercepted. And I think if he, they start asking him to throw the ball down the field a bit more, it's just going to happen. I just think it'll happen. I don't know if it'll, I don't think it's going to hurt us in the game, but I think it will happen. And I think that's going to be ultimately good for him to do that. All right. So, how many passing yards will Penn State have? 
Andy. Oh, Penn State, not Drew. Penn yep. State. Um, uh, two fifty. Well, I was gonna say like three, so I'm gonna go two fifty one. This is too easy. It's too easy. All right. I would love for him to have over 300. I, yeah, it's a I win-win. Mean, it's a win-win because you can be wrong, but having him throw more is awesome. So win-win. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's been a while since we've seen a really good running game from our offense. Yeah. It's been a while. Yes. No, but we have right. a 100-yard rusher. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say, I, I, mean, I feel like I'm every week I'm like, Nick Singleton's going to break one. I think Nick Singleton will break one and have a 100-yard day. This is a bad rushing defense we're playing. Now, I am aware that Penn State does not look good even against the be- like poor rushing defensive teams. I mean, even Illinois like was a bad rushing defense going into that game, and we couldn't do anything. And I'm sure you know Indiana's going to look at that Illinois game as a, as a way to combat whatever we're doing, but... You know, just just like how I think we're going to – I think if we're going to win moving forward, we got to start trying some new stuff. And part of that is the read option game needs to be just – like it can't be our number one rushing attack. It's You're not putting – last year we were putting Sean Clifford under the under center and rushing the ball. This year we – I don't think we've seen that like at all. He's out of the shotgun a lot. It's it's not been working. It's not been working. I'm hoping maybe they start going under under center and giving Nick Singleton a chance to run downhill a bit more, see the field a bit better. Andy, Andy, will we have a hundred yard rusher? I I I think yes. Do you um, think it'll be Singleton or do you think it'll be Fat Man? I think it will be Katron Allen. Wow. Are these tiebreakers? Are you are you incorporating these as tiebreakers? That, that will be our first tiebreaker if necessary. Okay, cool. And if applicable. Um, then, well, because if we don't have a 100-yard rusher, then your answer of Allen or Singleton won't. Right. Agreed. Or if one of those isn't. Um, Fair. So what will we be ranked after this upcoming week? I was I was surprised to see that we were still, we, were, we only fell to 10. I was surprised. Um, so if we come out here, we just, just beat the snot out of Indiana. Are people going to be like, Oh, maybe it was just a fluke or the voters going to be like, well, yeah, of course you should beat the snot out of Indiana. You're staying at 10. I, I I don't know what we're going to be ranked after, after a hopeful domination of Indiana. I I guess the question is, are we talking about the AP or are you talking about uh, the CFP, of yeah, course, the CFP fair. won't come until I think after we yeah, record. It comes out October thirty first. AP. Okay. Oh, okay, uh-huh. that's a little more predictable. I feel. Yeah, definitely. You know? um, well, here, here uh, let me just for context. Um, you know, Oregon's playing Utah. Number eight, Oregon is playing number thirteen, Utah. Okay. Um, number seven, Texas is playing BYU. Okay, um, and and as far as like anyone else ranked ahead of us, um, Ohio State's playing at Wisconsin, Washington number five. Washington is playing at Stanford, uh, and I believe those are those are the only you know. Okay, Oregon State ranked eleventh, just behind us is playing Arizona. So there's you know is, is anyone capable of jumping in front of us? Uh, Utah certainly is, but Oregon's eighth. So uh, is it my my turn to answer? Um, here on this no, one? No, it's Andy's, Tom. Andy's turn. Okay. 
No, keep go, going, bro. You, you, you know what you're well, talking I, about. I think we should both, both be aware, <laughs> uh, both be aware of that um, going into this game. Uh, and, yeah. and for what it's worth, also Florida State's playing at Wake Forest, and number six Oklahoma's playing at Kansas. Not sure they'll lose those games, but you never know. Stranger things. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're outlined there is that um, you know that Oregon game, uh, an upset is possible. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I, I think what my answer is going to reflect is even if we blow out Indiana, that won't cause us to move ahead of Alabama or Oregon or Texas, unless one of those teams loses. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Um, Alabama's on a bye, but yep. people think too highly of Alabama to yep. move Penn state ahead. It's gotta be an Oregon loss. It's gotta be Ohio state loss. And even if it is an Ohio State loss, they'll probably stay in front of us. Yeah, agreed. Um, I, so I, I think it's got to be that Oregon or is it, who's playing um, Oklahoma's playing Kansas, right? Probably yep. Oregon or Oklahoma. I think are the two. Well, you're just looking at people. Know, Quinn, is it in Quinn front of yours? Us? About- I think Quinn yours is hurt at, for for Texas, and they're playing BYU. Uh-huh, so that's an interesting angle there. And make an make an answer. Come on, I'm going to say ten. You're going to stay at 10? I think steady. There, there's no change. Um Yeah, I I'll have to I'll have to wash it with you 10. <laughs> 10 yeah, I just don't I just don't see our our opponent doesn't give me any faith that we move up and and I just I don't see uh anyone mounting uh, you know the only one that could jump in front of us really I think is Utah but Oregon would bl- bounce below us and that would like negate our yeah, I think there. they could swap for sure. I, yeah, you know, Oregon has a chance to lose, but I think Utah could jump right ahead of us. You yeah. don't think an Oregon State team who's just behind us has a chance of jumping in front? No, Arizona, Arizona Wildcats are four and three. I, I don't, I don't see that being likely unless we struggle with Indiana and they blow out, you know, Arizona, um, which I'm not predicting a struggle. Fair yeah. enough. For sure. And by the way, Oregon State's, uh, you know, they're also a one-loss team. It's not like they're undefeated. And their their loss came to a a now rankless. Oh, no, wait. Are they? Uh, is Washington State ranked now? I can't remember. No, I think no, they're, they're now. Well, yeah, they're unranked now. So so their their loss comes to an unranked foe. So their their resume, so to speak, is worse worse than, than ours in terms of who we lost to. Yeah. Fair enough. Let's move on to yeah. our uh, the coup de grace. The, the game predictions, the score predictions. Tom, Who, you are up, up, sir. Am I up? Yep. All right. Well, so for what it's worth to the people listening, according to the FPI predictor, we have a 98.2% chance of beating Indiana. Um, right now, the call for weather on, on the game as of Monday is rainy in State College. No, that uh, is false. Is that it? is 100% inaccurate. Yeah, I know you're looking at the... Uh, game card for oh ESPN. well excuse me I'm i glad said it I'm earlier glad... in the podcast oh did I said you? it earlier in the podcast yes, it's, it's yeah, got well. a chance to to hit the uh to, to break the record high of oh. 78 degrees well, accuweather is just blew it okay no espn blew it if you click on a- the actual accuweather okay. link all right it, well maybe that's what's happening in state called right now something like that okay fair i enough. don't know right. it's, so it's wrong. gonna be nice weather got it um the line is <laughs> penn state favored by 32 uh the over under is 43 four and a half um so i like how tom like he has to ease his way in well i i well because i you know what happens is i don't think about this until this moment so it's all (laughs) off the cuff and by the way i won the score prediction last week 
I, All right. Did you though? Yeah, I did. You did not. You did, did you not. win? Yeah, I did. <laughs> not, I mean, I'm saying uh, you may have been closer. You are the biggest loser. Thank you. All right. So, um, in this, <laughs> but game, we all lost. In this game, I am going to say Penn State will win, um, fifty-two to ten. Ooh, big score. I got four forty-five to seven. Forty-five to seven. Locked in, loaded. Let's uh, let's get this Ohio State disgustingness out of our mouths. It is move filth. on, move on. It's just a nice filth. beat down of of Indiana. Fingers crossed. Anti jinx. Knock on wood. <laughs> not a little stitious. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Even a little stitious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joel. Thanks for uh, another great by the numbers this week. Um, it was a pure joy to you know froth with no. you after that Ohio State game. <laughs> uh, thanks for being with us, Joel. We'll see you next week, man. See you, fellas. All right. Well, guys, that'll do it for us. Uh, remember to subscribe, share with your friends, write a review, give us a reading, uh, a reading or a rating. Um, give us a reading, a tarot card reading on if we're going to beat Michigan on the 11th I mean, of November. Yes, please do. Um, give James Franklin a reading for how to call it. Yeah, no. right. um, yeah. uh, and send us an email for the mailbag, blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. Um, hopefully next week we're feeling a little bit better, bro. Uh, but whatever happens, I'm glad to be going through it with you and our entire Blue and White Brothers family. Until then, it always starts with I love you. And it ends with I love you. It always starts with I love you. We are Penn State. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 